Welcome to How to Reach the West Again, a podcast that aims to inspire and empower a fresh missionary encounter with Western culture. I'm your host, Brandon O'Brien. This year, we've narrowed our focus to cities. What are they? What does the Bible have to say about them? How do we plant churches there? What does it mean to love our cities? What unique challenges and opportunities does city ministry present? In this episode, we hear a brief explanation from Tim Keller about why it takes citywide, collaborative, transdenominational church planting and renewal networks to reach cities. After that, we hear testimonials from three practitioners who participate in just such a citywide collaborative network in Frankfurt, Germany. That conversation is hosted and recorded by our friends at the Center for Church Planting in Frankfurt. But first, Tim Keller. Now, lastly, I don't believe a city can be reached uh, strictly by one church or even a big church or even a, even a church planting network. I would like to talk to you just for one minute or two on what a city reaching movement really is. Uh, To me, a city reaching movement is when the body of Christ is growing faster than the population of the whole, uh, of of the city. So when the number of Christians is going from 1% to 3% to 5% to 10% of the population over 10 or 20 years, now you've got a movement. You don't just have a few churches planting churches, you got a movement. Well, what creates a movement? Number one, what creates a movement is five or six church planting movements in different denominations or traditions. Uh, I, I know I'm gonna sound facetious here. I'm a Presbyterian and I like being a Presbyterian. I enjoy my Presbyterian heritage and my Presbyterian distinctives. For reasons that escape me, not every person in New York City who wants to become a Christian wants to be a Presbyterian. Uh, this, I, I'm still doing the research on it. I haven't found out the reasons for it. I do know that Pentecostals and Anglicans and Methodists and Baptists and Presbyterians tend to reach different kinds of people. And in different sorts of, if if I'm caring about increasing my tribe and not really caring about reaching the whole city for Christ, then all that matters is I I, I plant Presbyterian churches. But it's my job, if I love the city, to make sure that church planting movements are going on not only in my own denomination, but to help them get going in the other ones. We need four, five, six, seven church planting movements going on. That means if you have 10 churches and five of them are planting another church every five years and half of them are planting a church every five years, you got a movement. And unless there's five, six, seven, or eight of those kinds of vital church planting movements going on, you do not have even a chance for a citywide gospel movement. But then around those churches, you need several things. You need a network of prayer in which the churches are coming together to pray. You need evangelistic specialists that are reaching especially campus, college students, and youth. Number three, you need all kinds of justice and mercy initiatives where Christians are coming together outside the churches, coming together to combat this or that, needing uh, this problem, this social issue, helping people in this needy neighborhood, and so forth. And uh, uh, then you also need to get all the people together in the city in their vocational fields. The artists need to get together who are Christians. The journalists need to get together together who are Christians. The media people, the the business people, across. You can call these things specialist ministry networks. Prayer, 
evangelism, justice and mercy. Then you also need uh, faith work initiative ministries. You also need institutions that help Christians stay in the city. In New York City, the Jews have done a wonderful job of creating institutions, community centers, schools, all sorts of things that keep families, Jewish families in the city, living in the city long-term so they can have the jobs, so they can have the jobs in publishing, in the media, in, uh, in publishing, in, uh, in business, and so forth. But most of all, and lastly, you have to have the leaders of these various networks and the leaders of these various churches regularly meeting together, not turf-conscious, kingdom-minded instead of tribally-minded, to say, what does our city need? And for a, a, a city-reaching gospel movement, there has to be that inner core of, of five or six church planning movements, the outer core of these ministry networks, which are rooted in, this, in the church. The churches uh, help the ministries. The ministries bring people into the church. The churches support the ministries. And when that happens, you can start to see what I think is possible, which right now is not happening, I don't think, in any other center city in the, in the world, where is the gospel-believing, Bible-believing Christians are growing so much faster in the core of the center, great, the, the center city that a greater and greater percentage of the city is becoming Christian. That will have a huge impact on the culture. It will have a huge impact on the city. And I think that is an overview, that's a quick overview, of what I think we have to do in order to reach cities today. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the How to Reach the West Again podcast of Redeemer City City. My name is Stefan Poos from Frankfurt. We're recording in Frankfurt. And this is episode number eight called Reaching the City Together. So the topic today is collaboration. How can we work together for the kingdom in the city, for church planting, for all the issues that we're having as a vision here? And I have two guests with me, Yazon Lim and Kelly City, both friends and partners here with me in Frankfurt And yeah, welcome, both of you. Maybe you say a few words of introduction to yourself. Thanks for having me, Stefan. Um, my name is, like you said, Yazan Lim or Jason Lim or Jason. I don't know, whatever you want to do with my name. I'm half South Korean, half German. I grew up in Thailand, so I feel right at home in this beautiful multicultural city in Frankfurt. I've been here uh, seven years now. Planted a church and still lead that church, but I'm also now the city, the focus city leader for uh, Greater Europe Mission here in Frankfurt. Well, welcome, Janzon. 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 And Gully. Yeah, so I uh, came here to Germany in 2014, originally from the United States. Um, married. Uh, my wife is from Taiwan originally. And yeah, we've uh, been here doing church planting since then, um, actually once with Stefan uh, when we first arrived and um, now at the Frankfurt Z project, um, which is in the southern part of Frankfurt. And yeah, we love the same thing that Jason said about the, um, about, about the city, that it's multicultural, that it's, um, that there's, there's just, um, it's got its own character here that we really love. Well, good to have both of you here. Um, I'm also a church planter. Um, I work uh, for City City in Europe and also for the Center for Church Planting. At the table here, you have several organizations represented, several church plants, several denominations, several cultural backgrounds. And that pretty much represents our city and our vision for the city, that it's a multicultural collaborative um, approach to how we can 
see a movement of the gospel in our city. And we do believe that church planting in that is key. Um, yeah, so at the beginning, I want to ask all, each of you to say maybe two things that you love about Frankfurt. Why is this the best city in the world? It's a good question. One thing I think I already mentioned, I love the fact that it's very diverse. Uh, we have 54% of the population in Frankfurt that's either uh, has a, is a foreign passport holder or has, a, has an immigrant background. Um, so I love that part of the city with its all its diversity. I think the other thing I like about the city is it's it's the only one in Germany with a proper skyline. That's true. So that people love the city. Like people who live here love the city. So it doesn't mean that everything's perfect here. Or it doesn't mean that everyone's arrived or people don't have lots of struggles or that there's no, like, you know, the effect of sin hasn't taken its hold. But um, but there's a... There's a Sometimes it's, I, I enjoy coming from this positive aspect into ministry instead of coming from a negative one. Well, my, one more of my facts, and that's kind of heading towards our topic, I actually really do enjoy and love that there's a actually good group of friends in the city trying to do ministry together. I think that's unique, or it's at least not that often. Um, God somehow has given and built over the last couple of years a real good group of, 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 of good leaders, of, of interesting people, very diverse, but also very united in the gospel and in the vision for the city. And I think what we're experiencing here, and we're going to talk about and tell about it a little bit more, is actually an, an amazing collaboration of people who want to plant churches, make disciples, spread the gospel to a couple of hundred thousand people who have never heard the gospel. And that's, that's honestly joyful. So that's one of the things that I love about the most in my city that this is really working well and it's growing. So I think in other cities, that's sometimes hard to build. Uh, it took a while to build it here too, as well, but it is actually there now and it's joyful and it's, it's spreading. So I love that kind of vibe of collaboration. I think Frankfurt is a collaboration city as in general. So even like other businesses or nonprofits or creative things are, it's not a city where you fight too much against each other, but you kind of do things quickly together. Um, there's competition sometimes. And it's not a healthy, healthy mode for the kingdom, but it is a city where a lot of things really run well together, even in the, you know, how the city is built and whatever. Our topic is how we can work together in the city, how we can reach a city together. So the, the word that's often used is collaboration. <clears throat> and I do want to, at the beginning, kind of focus for a few moments on, you know, why is collaboration actually important? Why should we seek collaboration? Um, and uh, is it just beneficial? Is it something we, sh we, we have to do? Or is it just the hippest, coolest thing? Because a lot of books are written about it. What does our like, recent experiences here, um, what is the conviction behind it? Well, it wasn't a cool thing when we were <laughs> thinking about it at all. It was kind of, uh, I think it was when you come into a new place, you're just, you, you have your hand to the plow and you're in the field and you're like working and uh, maybe it's at one church plant that you're in and you, all of your energy is just being thrown into this, this, um, you know, ministry, this church plant trying to reach a neighborhood. Um, and, and so you're already are collaborating in some ways. I mean, hopefully you're collaborating with some people in the neighborhood, but also with maybe a team or of other believers. So, so it's not like we're against collaboration, but we can be very, 
mm, we can be very uh, short-sighted with our collaboration. Like, oh, I'm already collaborating. I know three other believers that are working with me, you know? And I think, um, <clears throat> I think having the experience of having planted a church, you could call it like a holy discontentment. Cause like you can just be, when you're in it, you're all excited about it and like, wow, look what happened. And then, then through that process, you get kind of discontent because you're like, well, wow, we just planted one church and everybody I meet on the street still doesn't know Jesus or know really much about anything about him. So I think that drives you to, well, that's even if you did that every year, you know, planted a church like that, that'd be amazing. But even if you did, there was this wide sea of people out there that still hadn't heard. So, um, so yeah, so that drives us to who, who are other people that we can, you know, lock arms with to do that together. Cause you realize that you can't, you can't, um, that, you know, God's not going to use you to do it by yourself. Yeah. So the, the, the challenge is too big to actually even think that on my own, I could even come close to reaching it. Right. Yeah. It would be like, you know, a good friend of our David Schultz here, he would say, you know, it's kind of arrogant to think you can do it by yourself with one church or one organization to think like, because if I don't collaborate in the sense, maybe not intentionally, but I might be saying, I actually don't need other people. I don't need the others. Right. Um, I can do it on my own, which is just not true. On the other side, I think sometimes there can be a danger of like, I collaborate because it's like beneficial. We can create synergisms like, but then it's, it's less about the other people. It's more about me again. It's like collaboration in a sense, like how can I get other, how can I get other people to join what I want to do? But that's not, that's not collaboration. I think collaboration is in a sense also a spiritual discipline and it humbles you in, in situations where you do have to um, maybe t put your idea, take your idea off the table and be like, right, it doesn't seem like this is what other people are thinking either. Um, and listen to others and actually believe that the spirit also works through other people. I mean, I know that's crazy to think that the Holy Spirit also works to others, but I think that that idea of, of humbling yourself um, and then trusting that God is, is using others to also do work and then being open to the Lord guiding in that way. I think, yeah, it's not always easy. Um, I think we can have a very romantic idea of collaboration and that might be nice as long as everyone thinks what, is important what you think is important but then you'll notice when you work with other people that's not necessarily the case and then what do you do you can either be like all right you know what it was nice while it lasted <laughs> you know you let's just spread out again and but then to fight to like no let's keep together let's either um, discuss this let's like really wrestle with this and come to a joint sort of strategy and vision and i think one of the things like the collaboration actually leads us towards like gospel advance because if if we're just kind of cooperating with the church here or there, um, we can get really sidetracked. It's like just really, you know, kind of a one-off thing that we do together. A true collaboration, like getting over, like you talked about the strategy, having a, a strategy that we're working towards together, it does cause us to really say, okay, um, there are some things I do different in that guy's church and that guy's church or that, you know, that person's church than my ch the church that I'm in. Um, if I'm going to collaborate, where, where can I collaborate? What, if I'm going to, if I've only got a certain amount of energy to put in this, what do I want to put my energy into? And it kind of like prayer is one of those things, by the way, but, <laughs> but it cuts out some of the maybe 
lesser important things to collaboration that can sometimes sidetrack us from real collaboration. So like gospel, the gospel and its advance is going to be always one of those most important things that it keeps bubbling to the top because many of us can't agree on that one thing that we want to see. So what you're saying is collaboration sort of pushes the sort of central things into the center and pushes the things that don't necessarily maybe need to be at the center more to the outside because is that what you're, is that what Yeah, I'm, because it, the thing is like you mentioned earlier, okay, I'm done collaborating now. Yeah, why do people say stuff like that? It's because they have a pet project, they have a pet thing that's not the central thing yeah. that they really care about. Right. So it helps prior it helps prioritize. Yeah, I think that the two things mentioned here that why collaboration is good and helpful and important, I think they need to be seen as a combination of the two. It's it's on the one side, it's more effective. So if if I have the vision, the goal, the dream to see a movement of the gospel in the city of Frankfurt, which is basically driven by the burning desire or the problem that we see together is that hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people live in this city who have never heard the gospel and who don't know somebody who would know somebody who would know somebody who would know the gospel. So it's that far out. And, you know, no one of us, that's the one side from one collaboration is driven. No one, if you're really honest, will ever reach or change that significantly uh, alone. We need to join because it's more effective. We, we will reach more if we do it together. So it's kind of a, a knowledge, uh, coming to the, acknowledging the truth that myself, even if I have a lot of money and maybe can plant a significant amount of churches, will not really accomplish the vision and mission I have. So I need to join with others. And that's the one side, that's the effective side. I think what you, Yazong, mentioned as well is, it's not just effective. And I think if we think collaboration only from the effectiveness, we're result-driven and we're motivated by the goal of it. You know? And I think that's not totally wrong, but I think we need to root that collaboration much deeper in our identity. And that is the gospel. So I think a, a collaboration is also a gospel posture. So let's say even if collaboration were not more effective. I think we were still have to be people who collaborate because of the Gospels. I think the posture of the church is to collaborate. So we're building one kingdom together in the city. And that's why I like what Kelly says. So building one kingdom together is not like choosing a side issue that the church should do and collaborate on that. But on the central vision issue, we're not collaborating. I think it, we must collaborate on the, on the core issues as one kingdom. So sometimes we have this behavior of building all these little, gar little gardens or these little kingdoms in, our, in the city in every denomination, organization, or whoever does that. Um, and we're reporting to our friends and outside people how great we are. But we should actually build one garden or one kingdom together. So that there is something in the gospel that, that drives us or almost like commands us to do that. Yeah, because I think whether it's effective or not, can also become very subjective. Like, how do you decide if it's, you know, and if, if, if you only have your own agenda and by your own agenda, you're like, this is not effective. <laughs> uh, then you might, if that's the only criteria by which, right. yeah. Then and it, it might short to be less effective even. Yeah. Because you invest yeah. in relationships yeah, that not directly produce right. something. Yeah. Right. Oh, 100%. Have you ever felt that, like in our collaboration here in Frankfurt, that like there was a costly side to it? Because you go, you like, you know, we've had this, like, Kelly, you, you and me 
got together thinking about, okay, how can we do this? Everyone brings their ideas to the table. And then not all ideas are going to be implemented, even if you like believe this is the best thing I've ever come up with. And we all have to be okay to let, let, like, be sacrificed. I mean, it also is a beautiful part because you really make friends on the way, but you have to invest in relationships, which is not painful, but it is definitely an effort. And you have to really do that. It doesn't come to you, but you have to make it. That's a key thing in collaboration. It is organic. It doesn't happen through projects or systems or structures. It happens through relationships and friendships. I think, put it, to put it in Simon Sinek's words, he says, you know, always start with why. I think the why question is the identity and the vision part. And then, you know, how you do things or what you do. So the collaboration that we do in the kingdom of God should not only do, be about the what we want, but about why we actually are here. And I think when we think about why we're here, what is our purpose? Or what is actually the identity behind the purpose? Then we need to start with the gospel and not just with the outcome, you know, the numbers of people being reached or whatever. Uh, And that is holding these two things really together. You shouldn't play them against each other. I think collaboration, why we do it is because it is effective, but also because it's who we are. I mean, if there's one group in the world that should really be expert in collaboration, it should be the Church of Jesus because that's, that's, that's him. I mean, we have a triune God who is not an individual, but who is three in one, perfect collaboration. I mean, they were different or they are different in who they are in their person but they're united and they really perfectly collaborate in some sense if you want to look at the perfect example of collaboration look at the trinity and then how that played out into you know the story of jesus and the gospel and how they actually had different jobs in that but they totally had the same vision the same idea and they collaborate they never worked against each other never competed or you know just didn't you know everybody just did their own jobs in their own departments but they did it together and collaborated to the you know saving and redemption of the world and i think that is the identity of the church where we're coming from and what we're spreading so we we would not we, it is more effective but it's also our identity and spiritual well guys let's um from this like more why is this important go through uh, our story part so um frankfurt i think in the last two years um even probably longer than that has, I think, a great story to tell about this. So there's not just theoretically, but that's where we live. Um, we just sit right now in the meeting room of what we call the Colab. It's an office space of the Mind Project. Uh, it's a collaborative space. Uh, we even call it Colab, so it is, uh, stands for collaboration. Uh, the Mind Project. Let's talk a little bit about how that happened and why collaboration is basically the, the heart of that. I can tell you more about the future than I can... About the past, but I, yeah, I think, I think it was birthed uh, in parts in like individual conversations. I know you, Stefan, and my my predecessor, Rich Bonham, also had conversations about it. It was a, a huge um, thing in his heart too that he wanted to see churches work more closely together. I know his wife actually uh, was regularly praying for for more unity in the city and and for, for churches to work more closely together. And then there was almost like different leaders at the same time got placed on their heart the need you know when i think about johannes lavelli and some other people that it really were had a heart for like we're gonna work we need to work more closely together and then some of those pre-existing relationships kind of got together and then and then we had we had a first conversation and then some regular meetings where we we're like okay let's 
you know, how can we how can we build on these on this relationship that already existed in some sense, and then in some sense it still had to had to grow, but how can we actually um, not just hang out and have a nice time together, but how can we work more closely together and get our ministries more intertwined into a joint vision and strategy for the city? I remember it started at Heroes Burger Place, uh, and not where it started, but that was a significant point. I do remember that I kind of had several conversations before that and then invited some key people from your, from Frankfurt who were involved in church planting um, to it. And um, I think having good meals and food together is key in collaboration um, without big agendas, but just getting to know each other and dreaming and focusing on the vision. Um, and then what, what happened after having a burger in the last two years? I would just say that... We we did le- we we learned through the process, so it wasn't like okay, we have this amazing plan, we've got it all figured out. Now we just like sit on the table, because the, I think in our minds that's the way it worked. <laughs> and then even from that meeting, though, it was like we we had the people in mind who we thought were going to be those people, and most of them were you know kind of like were, but even with the people that we thought were going to be a part of that, you know, a couple weren't for different reasons, like and. And then even after that, it was like, okay, now we're going to meet monthly. We're going to, you know, we're going to work on this together. And I think you, Stefan, and I, we we had more of the like, all right, here's our topics and here's what we're going to do on every time. And bam, you know, we're going to, at the end, we're going to have this amazing document. That's kind of how we were thinking. And then <laughs> when we got in the room with everybody else, they're like, I don't even know that guy, you know? So I don't know. All of us knew somebody, but it was, um, it felt forced a little bit. So from the group, we kind of tried to listen and people said, Hey, let's, let's, can we, can we, one, can we take a little bit longer than we planned? And two, um, can we do some things to get to know one another better? Because we see the need for that. And we want to know, we want to collaborate. We want to, like that desire was already there. So we, we couldn't, I, I think if somebody doesn't already want to collaborate, you can't make them like they have to have come with that. But during that time, I think listening to the group really helped that and, and saying we're a group we're doing this together it's not just like you know stefan didn't you just didn't like lead the whole thing but you really intentionally said okay well you have a different idea for next time well you, you lead it you know and um um because you knew that the heart was the same so that was like kind of our next steps for over 10 months or about that we met and um it really came to you know key things one was the was you know what what people in city to city and others you know called like theological vision that was important for us, um, which we built together. Yeah, it was not presented by one of us to everybody else had to accept it, but it was actually really something after a long process we built together. And we probably all would have had ours that looked similar, but it would have been different. And the fact that we came together and and, and did that together was really really significant as well. And it, I think it gave us um, um, some not freedom, but almost like comfort a little bit of, okay, I kind of know what I'm getting myself into and I know what I'm committing to. And if I'm going to be bringing people from my church or other church planners or something, then I know what, I know what the goal is. And that, that was really helpful. I think for all the leaders too, to know like, Hey, where, where do we want this? Where do we feel like God is leading this to go? And then the second document that was helpful was just saying, Hey, when we're talking about churches, like, what's something that we can agree on because that's oftentimes where the collaboration stops. Like what's something that we can agree on that we do want to see instead of just saying, Oh, we're all different and it's going to look different. Um, that was really helpful. Um, 
I think even in maybe when you go back to a circle that maybe has a little bit more tight view of, or maybe a less collaborative uh, nature, you know, they didn't really want to collaborate maybe, but you show them that it's like, okay, we I can see us being a part of that. So that was key. I think the three things that I think of when I think what helped the process was one, Stefan, you brought it into, into the conversation for us to be vulnerable with one another, to share like real struggles. I mean, there were some, some real, really personal things shared about struggles, about um, what people are going through. There's, there's some shared experience of like, you know, let's bring this before the Lord together. It wasn't just like, um, like a, you know, like a work, working group that is like working on a project together. And then after we're done, we all go home separately. Like, no, we were like sharing real things that are, you know, uh, that we're struggling with right now. And the second thing, um, we got some outside help. I think that was inspiring to just get some outside coaching of people come in for certain sessions and, and just guide us through some, some questions. Sometimes an outside voice is more helpful that rather than having an inside person that sort of has to stand in this weird role of like, coaching but then you know this is it brings us all more into the one one side because because the then the coach is coaching all of us and there's none of us that's like oh but but i'm gonna lead us all through this so i think that helps collaboration and then the third thing you mentioned already meals were just so important for us to go out regularly and just you don't want together not not always together but like maybe just two of us or three of us have meals, just hang out, have fellowship. Well, for me, or maybe for Kelly and me, or the three of us who tried to be intentional about the development of this whole process, I think it was very important to keep two things together. One was the heavy emphasis on relationships. So it's very organic, but then still have it um, something that is intentionally going somewhere. So if you're only organic, you have great fellowship, but it's not going anywhere. And normally especially key leaders are not interested in stuff like that. Just meet, talk, have a nice time, but it doesn't have a purpose. So they probably won't come back after the, the, the second or the third time. Um, or if you're only intentional, so you only have an agenda and you know something to go through, but you don't invest in relationships, uh, then you will probably lose the interest of people too because they're coming and they're not valued, they're not included, they're not, you know, that kind of thing. I think these two things in the process of, starting a collaborative network in a city are very important. And they're also important to keep it alive, to be intentional about both. You know, what is our purpose? What are our, you know, and what is, what is the organic relationship? Yeah, I remember sitting uh, at, at a cafe, a restaurant in a different city in Europe um, with one of the key leaders there. And the biggest struggle that they had with collaboration in the city was pastors just didn't have time. Like it was so hard to get people together or even have time with people because everyone was so, so busy. Um, and because if, like you said, if they don't have time to meet or they just have time to meet like once, I don't know, every two months and there's no relationships that are formed by that. Yeah. So I, I think what's really um, something we can, we can learn from like people like David Schultz, who is the head of the Evangelical Alliance here in Frankfurt. He said, you know, you guys got to give me this amount of time every week to invest into, into the city movement and to, for me to have time to hang out with people. And even in our collab space here, you know, he comes once a week and intentionally sort of uses this as his office. He has his other office he could use. But then also maybe in our, you know, you wonder why those pastors are so busy and maybe they're not. It has to do with desire. It does have to do with priority and then being like, 
oh, maybe I need to delegate some of the things in my church life to other leaders so that this actually becomes, a, I can't wait until I have time left over to be like, oh, I'm sitting here this afternoon. I don't know what I should do. Maybe I can hang out. Maybe call somebody to start collaboration. Time issues are always priorities, always in your life. You say, I don't have time. It always means I don't have priority. And then that means, well, how can we change it into a priority for somebody and make it relevant? Well, um, one thing I found along the line and with the help of other leaders, uh, kind of put it into words, is the idea of the five C's, which how we call it. I think it gave us a helpful matrix to either assess and process collaborational yeah, f uh, relationships. And the five C's are, and they kind of describe from bottom up uh, the stages of your know, relationship in a city. So competition is the first one. Second is uh, coexisting. Then communication, communicate, uh, cooperate, and collaborate. So that's a tool that became very helpful for us. Uh, and I think it describes basically the five realities of the relationships in the city. And I often found that somehow the church has adopted the marketplace principle, which the marketplace understands as a positive idea of uh, competition. So if you're a car dealer or a cell phone shop, uh, we always believe, well, more competition is actually healthy for the market. And somehow the church, especially in the Western world, adopted that idea that competition is helpful. And honestly, church planting has been done in a competitive way a lot. So either between the church plans or between the church plans and the existing churches, the normal culture is competition. It's sheep stealing, it's taking away resources. That's a moat that is poisoning for collaboration. I think even poisoning for, for the gospel in the city. So it's not at all what Jesus wanted to see when he, when he talked about unity. I, and I then, think people are honest about that. But then the solution goes up the, the seas, but it never goes up far enough. Yeah, you're right. And coexisting is kind of a nice way of competition. So it's just, I don't, you know, I, I leave you alone. So that's, it's, it's a little bit more peaceful. It's not really good. It actually begins to become interesting at the com communication level. You really begin to talk about it. And that's where the issue of priority and time you know, becomes part of it. You need to take time to just have a coffee with a pastor, this, the, the church down the street or in your neighborhood. You just need to do that. So communication needs effort and time. I think that's where things begin to be interesting. And then cooperation, which is often misunderstood as collaboration. Cooperation is that you help each other. And that's good. Yeah, I mean, you, you need, you're, you're a church planner. You need maybe a sound system for your event. Well, I give mine to you. That's helpful. But that's not collaboration. It is cooperation. We help each other on projects, on whatever tasks you have. Collaboration really is where you begin to join each other. So you begin to say, well, I'm committed uh, to do this together with you, even though you're different and secondary issues of our theology. And I'm willing to invest into what God calls you to do what you do because I collaborate with you. So you're doing things together. You're not just helping each other with your own things, but you're doing it together. I think that collaboration, these five can be used as assessment or even as process tools. And to, yeah, I think it became helpful for us here in Frankfurt to, to define these things. I think they're really helpful because they're simple and anyone listening can just sit down with the five C's and just think, all right, where are we? <laughs> and how do we get to the next stage? Like they're very practical steps you can take. What I usually do is I paint it as like a 
it's not a very urban, maybe it is, I don't know, it's not a very urban picture, but like gardens. There's a lot of garden wars in Germany, like with neighboring gardens. That's a very German thing, to have your own little garden outside the city and normally well, so you hate your even neighbors. here I have like their, you know, a little garden and then there's a garden, like if you have like a townhouse, you know, it's like a row and then like, like the competition is like, oh, you know, your, your apple tree is growing into my garden or like you're stealing fruit from my tree. Well, there, but it grew into my garden, like things like that. Right. So that's competition. And then like coexistence is, is a huge hedge. I don't even know. I know there's someone on the other side. I don't know who he is or what. I don't I hear them sometimes maybe like, oh, I think they have kids. I'm not sure. And then communication is like you start talking over the fence and it's like, oh, hey, Mr. Bill, Mr. Whatever. How's how are the kids? And then, and then uh, cooperation is like, there's a little, there's a little garden door. Sometimes the kids come over and they can play and sometimes we go there and then, and then co co collaboration for me is like, when I mow the lawn, I don't even know which lawn I mow. I'm not, I don't even care. It's like, it's our garden. It's our space. We're trying to create this together. Yeah. I think that visualizes it a little bit for people. So yeah, I encourage the listeners to just go through that and figure out where you are there. That's good. You mentioned um, at some point, like having the right people and I think um, in a kind of an initial group of like, who, who are, who are we going to start collaborating with? Cause you have to start somewhere. And I think what was, um, what, what for us was helpful was, you know, you could just say, who are the people that I'm already friends with who would help me? And that's maybe easy, you know, in some ways, cause, but within you kind of lose some influence. You could also go on the other side of that and say, I'm going to find like the most handsome the most popular, uh, the most, the person with the most Instagram, I don't know, you know, like likes or whatever, uh, followers. And then, and you could also go on that side and just sort of like look for popularity, which we also didn't do. I think what we really were looking for, like, Hey, who are people, first of all, whether they're a little bit different than us or not, who are also already leading other people. And so they're at least collaborating on, in their own circle somehow. So we are all collaborating kind of in smaller circles and seeing how we could bring those rings together. Yeah. I think in the whole thing, um, one, one maybe last thing for me is that you have to have a concept of how diversity is actually benefit for what you want to do. And I do think that, you know, even the theological diversity that God allowed to be happening over the last couple of hundred years is actually benefit. So I think it's often understood as a problem inside church because you're, you're different. You're, 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 your take on baptism or your take on spiritual gift or whatever is different than mine. It's a problem. Well, it is a challenge, definitely. But I do think that, you know, the diversity in churches is actually a big benefit for us in Frankfurt because we need to reach so many different people in the city. No one denomination or style or whatever of worship, of maybe even theolo theology, I'm not talking about the core issues, but more secondary issues, would ever reach everyone, even if they were like the most successful, you know, church planting movement ever seen. No one will ever reach a whole diverse city. Um, we need the diversity in the church that God has given, and I think that's, a, that's where we start celebrate the diversity. We don't celebrate diversity in the key issues, and I think that that is my last maybe a point we do before we close is there is a, there's something in the core. It's very simple. It's basically the gospel. It's an agreement on the, the core things and not just theologically. We don't just write it down, but we make it the number one issue we talk about and we make it the one driving principle for everything. Let's maybe at, at the very end, one last statement from each one of you. How 
was this gospel, which I do know you all value more than anything else in your life. How is the gospel, how did it become in this whole process the key thing for our collaboration in Frankfurt? Why is gospel so key? Paul said it pretty clearly for us, you know, like the, our faith rises and falls on the truth of the gospel and what we mean by that. So, I mean, it's not only a principle that we live by, but it's also, um, it's also, you know, that the key center of who we are. So it's our, it's our complete identity that we are in Christ. And so, yeah, I think even Paul who said that can Christ be divided? And the answer is no. Uh, so if we're really in Christ and that that's used all throughout the Bible, these two little words, um, that that's another way to talk about um, um, the effect of the gospel and, 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 and this good message um, uh, from the, this, this good news from Jesus, this, this reality that it has in our lives. And the reality is that there was a dividing wall and there's no longer a dividing wall. And, and so I think, discipleship for instance is just like really a process of of coming into a new reality based upon the message of the gospel and so it's not that the gospel brought in the collaboration actually because it, it said hey you're no longer divided you're one you're in me you're my children you're my family you're one kingdom you're one nation and we're just still trying to figure out the reality of that so it's already true but we're we're just like you know the little sheep trying to figure out where we are and uh, yeah and so we just kind of work that out and so I feel like this is like almost like a work of sanctification because the reality that we are actually we are collaborators in a sense and because of the gospel we're just trying to figure out how that looks yeah I think less people hear the gospel but if we don't collaborate also there's a second way in which the gospel is less witnessed. Because what kind of witness is that to our city? <laughs> if the message that we're carrying to them is not doesn't cause us to join hands with people that are maybe different in some ways, but we still agree on that, if it's just a bad witness to the city. And then um, I can understand why people wouldn't want to listen to us because the way what we're what we're saying with our mouth and what we're living with our lives is just don't don't align in that sense. So I think it becomes a gospel issue. In two cents, you know, people in, in both ways, the witness of the gospel is in question. Mm -hmm. Are we are more people hearing the gospel, but is it also embodied throughout the city mm -hmm. in a better way? Yeah, for me, it is definitely, I mean, kind of the, you know, this amazing text from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Life Together, I think is English, uh, where he says, well, you know, the community of, of, of believers, the gospel community is not something we build, but is an existing truth. And we... We need to live it out. And I do think that the beauty of collaboration is really shown when you see in the process that the gospel really becomes not just something I use out there to see, to accomplish my task, but it's actually something that comes alive and helps me in the process. So, you know, I need the brother to speak the gospel to me because the gospel is an external thing that needs to come into me. And it is like experienced on the way together in collaboration. I think... I need collaboration to experience the gospel myself in my heart more. And also it has an effect on you guys and the city out there. Uh, but that kind of collaboration in the city is really a blessing to myself as well. Not just the effect of it, 
already the process of it. Well, that is almost the end of our unit today. And uh, thank you for your time. And we're um, from Frankfurt and we're happy to, um, yeah, it was great to talk to you today about the, what God has done here and what some principles and experiences were. If you're interested in figuring more about that, Google Mind Project or Frankfurt Center for Church Planting. But it was a pleasure for us to be um, the host today. And many greetings from Frankfurt. And uh, let's seek gospel collaboration for movements of the gospel in the cities of the world. Amen. Bye. Bye. Special thanks to our friends at the Center for Church Planting in Frankfurt. I encourage you to take a few minutes to assess the climate of Christian partnership in your city by using those five C's. Competition, coexistence, conversation, cooperation, collaboration. Be sure to join us next week for the final episode of Season 2, How to Reach the West Again. We'll be back where we started, in London, talking with Neil Powell, director of the London Project, about his past experience in a citywide church planting network and his hope for the future. How to Reach the West Again is a production of Redeemer City to City. This episode was produced, written, and hosted by Stefan Pus and Brandon O'Brien. Our associate producer is Braden Gregg. Today's interview was recorded by the Center for Church Planting in Frankfurt, Germany, and edited by Lee Jerkins. Tim Keller's talk, How to Reach Cities, was recorded by the Lausanne Movement in 2010 and was used with permission. You can find the video online at lausanne.org. Redeemer City to City is a nonprofit organization co-founded by Tim Keller and supported by generous people like you. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform, leave us a review, and consider making a gift to support the work at redeemercitytocity.com slash give.